Hello everybody, and I'm here. Di Ashley Brock here with Diane Palmer's book, Lawless, Chapter 17. Because most of my Diane Palmer books are old, as I find them at like yard sales or something. I'm like, ooh, and then when I realized they were all connected together, I'm like, holy crap, and um. So I'm missing chapter 16, but I do know that uh, Christina Bell was having morning sickness, and she wrecked her car, and or she almost wrecked her car. Cash stopped her, and Cash and Judd got into an actual martial arts fight, and he realized she was pregnant, and he was heading home to her. So here we are, to Diane Palmer's book, Lawless, chapter 17. Christina Bell was doing the laundry when a vehicle drove up outside. She was too shaken but by her near accident to be very aware of her surroundings. Besides, the loud hum of the old washing machine drowned out anything more than a room away. But Maudie was in the kitchen finishing bread when Judd walked in. She stopped with her hands full of dough and just stared at him. His face was covered with cuts and bruises and blood was pulling out of the corner of his mouth. His once spotless white shirt was dotted with blood. Grier looks worse, he told her. Where's Christina Bell? Doing laundry, she managed to say. He was shocked to look, shocking to look at. She hadn't seen him in a fight since the day Christie's father had been beaten hurt. That was a long time ago. He turned and went to find Christina Bell. She had her back to him. He paused in the doorway of the laundry room to study her. His eyes shuddered, his mind working like crazy. She sensed eyes on her. Abruptly, her head jerked around. She stood up slowly, facing him, and her jaw dropped. What in the world happened to you? She explained. Grier doesn't volunteer information without a little coaxing. He said grimly. Move closer. His face unreadable. He looked at her with an expression that she couldn't understand. What kind of information were you after? She asked blankly. She knew it couldn't be the, about the baby. Cash didn't know she was pregnant. Never mind, he muttered. Took a lot of bruises not to find out anything. Shared her. His black eyes now. I don't like him hanging around here, and I told him so. Now I'm telling you. You're married. She glared at him over a towel that she dragged out of the aging dryer. Absently, she wondered if they'd ever be able to replace the machine now that it didn't work. Not that it didn't work, but it was 15 years old. She followed the towel. You kissed Tippy Moore. Yes, I kissed her. You know, the assistant director doing his damn best to seduce her, and she's afraid of him. It was a stage kiss. Oh, pull the other one, she shot back. Tippy Moore, international model, afraid of pissant little assistant director. I like to see a man that she's afraid of. He moved closer, taking the towel away from her. He tossed it onto the dryer. She has a history I can't tell you about, he said bluntly. It's enough to tell you that she's generally afraid of men. That's why she's been hanging on me. I've never touched her, and that's the draw. She feels safe with cops, with any law enforcement people in uniform. Christina Bell was gaping at him. She'd been envious of, tip, envious of Tippy. Hated her for that exquisite beauty that made Judd and other men so covetous. Now she felt both sad and sorry for the other woman. Pieces of a puzzle fell into place. Must have been something terrible, she guessed. So it made the lovely woman like that. I can't come here without tripping over damn Grier. He persisted, black eyes blazing down her. If you want the truth, I was getting even. Her lips fell apart. 
whatever she expected him to tell her, that wasn't it. He was jealous of her. She could feel her heart beating like a wild thing in her chest. He calmed a little when he saw her expression. She looked fascinated. Apparently, she wasn't eager to rub an any either. He relaxed even more. I only went around with cash because it hurt me to see you with Tippy all the time. She confessed without raising her eyes. His heart jumped up in his throat. So many misunderstandings. All for what? Of a little honesty. It wasn't cash after all. He started smiling and couldn't stop. <laughs> she lifted her face to his and was trapped by the look on him. He laughed even his throat. Tippy's got a case on cash. But you can't tell him. <laughs> he murmured. His fingers went to brush back her long soft blonde hair. Why? He's a, he thinks she's the happy hooker. She said a man like that knew more about most women than they knew themselves. Her eyes searched his. You really haven't slept with her? Yes, I am married, Christina Bell. He was leaking his hands behind her waist. So? She asked, blushing. He finished said, I don't sleep with other women, baby. Only with you. Just lately, he groaned against her shop. My bed has been very empty. She let him kiss her. A few seconds into it, she forgot what she was doing altogether and lifted herself against his powerful body with a sob. Wait, wait a minute, he said urgently. He moved away from her long enough to close and throw the bolt on the door. Thank God it had one. He was thinking, well, he could still think. He backed her up into the dryer and kissed her again. Hungrier. She was probably wearing a dress he mused because none of her jeans were buttoned, and he noticed he smiled against her mouth as he reached under her dress, slipped off her underwear. Judd, no, we can't, she whispered. He nibbled her upper lip while he peeled off his gun belt, put it aside, and reached for his butt. Well, it's okay, baby. We can do it without the red negligee. He teased huskily. Besides, we're married. I'll show you the license again. He lifted her up to him, and his mouth covered her as his lean hands brought her over. We'll go look for it later, he groaned as he went into her. She stopped protesting, thinking, breathing. She clung to him, moaning into his, his devouring mouth as he drove into her with the noisy washing machine, concealing the noises they were making. She hoped it wasn't near the end of a cycle. She was so hungry for him that she sobbed with every quick, hard motion of his hips. She wanted to drag her, his clothes off, push him down on the floor and ravish him. She didn't realize she was saying it until they wound up in a tangle of limbs on the linoleum with his body heavy on hers as they clung to each other in raging fever of desire. She never experienced such instant passion in the last lucid instant he lifted his head and watched her face as he drove her right over the edge into ecstasy. She shuddered and shuddered, her cries almost inhumane as her nails bent to his hips. Seconds later, his body corded and arched. He made a hoarse, harsh cry and his face contorted. She watched him, so excited that her whole body felt on fire with the overwhelming heat of fulfillment. Even in Japan, it hadn't been so intense. She couldn't stop shivering. Tears ran down her cheeks while he moved helplessly against her in the pulsing aftermath. Just as he collapsed on her, the washing machine stopped abruptly between cycles. She felt his body shake. It wasn't until he lifted his head and saw his dancing black eyes that you realize why he was laughing. What a relief. That damn Zalman can hear an ant walking across the sponge at 15 feet, and he likes to record people when they don't know he's listening, he murmured impressively. If that washer had stopped a few seconds sooner, she laughed too.
Trying to imagine the embarrassment, the washer started up again noisily. He moved against her, his mouth tracing her lips, her cheeks, her ear, nibbled a hair low. She kissed his cheek and groaned. Sorry, she murmured, noting that she kissed the cut. She touched his bruised face gently. Does your jaw hurt? He nodded. Got his heart. <laughs> what did he want her to tell you? She protested. That he'll keep his distance from you. He invented Percy's lips moved deliberately so that she could feel the slow, delicious barraging of his body. But I don't think that's going to be a problem now, do you? He moved again. She gasped. She's still sensitive, and those tiny motions were so sweet that she started moving with him. Marty? <laughs> the cycle last 15 more minutes. He reminded her, but I doubt if I will. <laughs> Let's see, she whispered rakishly, pulled him down to her. They were standing again when the washer wound down for the second time. She just pulled her underwear back up and he refastened his jeans. When he glanced down at his shirt and sighed, Grier took off his shirt first. I should have done the same. Have I got a clean one? I can't go back to work like this. She smiled radiantly and nodded. Going to the clothes rack, she pulled out a clean iron white shirt and handed it to him. Took off the one he was wearing. Baron, an undershirt. Also liberated his platter, which speaks respectable. Damn, he muttered. She got a clean undershirt, too. You've got a clean undershirt, too, she said, turning to pull one out of the clothes basket, where she'd been folding laundry. Here. Stripped off the undershirt, aware that she was eating it with her eyes. Tossed the undershirt and the white shirt into the laundry hamper. Moved closer, bringing her hands to his hair room chest. I didn't even have the presence of mind to undress you first. I wanted you so badly. He mused with a smile. I'm going to commute to Victoria from now on. I'll spend my nights here, where I belong. And we won't be sleeping in separate beds. You're going to sleep with me? She asked, fascinated. Of course. He traced around her something. Unless you'd rather I'd stay in my old room. That might be interesting. You could put on the red negligee and come seduce me in the night. She hit him gently and laughed. I'll sleep with you and do my seducing in comfort. You're my husband, she whispered, filling every word. You're my wife. He bent and kissed her gently, throwing her hands back and forth over his chest. I'm sorry you wouldn't open your Christmas present. Why, she asked. It was pearls, pink pearls, your favorite. But there were two presents. Tippy gave me back the ring. She teased me into buying it, which I did to save my pride. When I returned it, he had you. I bought a set of rings. One for you, one for me. Wedding bands. So you got two presents, not one. She just looked at him. I never wanted a divorce, he confessed. Not really. My mother was young, like you. Maybe she wasn't ready for marriage. I saw my father die inside after she left him. He never got over the divorce, and he mourned her until he died. I didn't want to end up like him. I was afraid of commitments. I knew you cared about me, but I was afraid it was just a crush. She confessed. <laughs> Some crush, she said, was my... It lasted five years. I knew that when you took a bullet for me, he said quietly. That was when I knew you felt something powerful for me. But Grier was always around. Better men than me have felt inferior to him. Cash is a sad and lonely sort of person, she replied. I don't... I felt sorry for him. I know things about him that you don't, Chud. He was married just briefly. There was going to be a baby. I don't know what happened. But they divorced bitterly. He was just a friend. 
He grimaced. I didn't know that. I was crazy with jealousy. I finally realized that you weren't going to wait forever while well, I sorted out what I felt for you. That was when I knew that I was going to fight to keep you. <laughs> she gazed out of encouraging him to continue. You know, my parents were exact opposites. He was in love, but she married him without really loving him. She did fall in love with another man, and she couldn't help what she did. I never understood that before because I'd never been in love. His voice turned husky. But I understand her actions better now, even if I still don't approve of them. Love takes away your choices. You and I think alike, him, but I believe deep down, I knew all along, that we had an, enough in common to make a good marriage. But I just couldn't let go of the past, of the fact that you and Cash seemed so close. I couldn't be certain what you felt for him. It gave me some bad moments. Especially after we came back from Japan. She smiled so Tippy gave me some. She's beautiful and sophisticated. Sophisticated like Grier. Traced her ear, pressing her soft hair behind it. They can console each other. He said we could grin. But they're both out of the running. She hesitated. Are you sure? His dark eyes. Just how many women do you think I've ever ravished on the floor of a laundry room? Her eyes now. It had better only be one. She replied. Returned with mock anger. Now you sound more like yourself. <laughs> Reach for the clean undershirt. Her hands fluttered against the thick hair on his chest. She reluctantly moved away. He smelled of aftershave and soap. She liked the masculine scent far too much. <sighs> I've got to get back to work. I'm trying up loose ends in the Clark case. He I never told you. Guess who was doing the poisoning down here? Not Jack Clark, she guessed. No, his brother John was poisoning cattle, and he killed old Hop. He got a friend and a co-worker, the same man who loaned him the pickup truck, to give him an alibi for the time of old Hop's death by asking him, making him think a jealous girlfriend was checking up on him. Jack Clark killed a young woman for testifying against him, sending him to prison for six years. Jack was our prime suspect for the poisoning because he lived in Jacobsville, and he knew it. Don't leave anything out, she demanded. The councilwoman who was showing Jack the properties in Victoria had no idea that he was establishing an alibi. While his brother was down here poisoning bulls, they, po they poisoned Brewster's bull because it was one of the prodigy of Hardland Sallor's bull. They poisoned ours because they were both getting even with us for firing Jack. But it hadn't been for you, I might never have solved the murder case in Victoria. Me? He put his shirt on, fastening it, and stuck the star back on the pocket. You mentioned how the fence was cut, he said. We had a cut fence at the scene of the last homicide. I checked it against the picture you had Nick take out of our, out of our cut fence. It was a perfect match. Our fence, that you had bad sense enough to save, has become prime evidence. Not to mention that black pickup truck that belonged to John Clark's friend, Gold, and Victoria. Then those collared fibers I mentioned that were found at the crime scene matched a swath from a flannel shirt you remember Clark wearing when he confronted you on the ranch. It was with a box of his belongings that John Clark took to Victoria with him. There's only one other crucial bit of evidence we latched on to also don't keep me in suspense she said excitedly besides a hair found on the shirt at the crime scene the evidence technician noted teeth marks on the woman's breasts she hadn't been dead long and her body was half covered 
by the shirt when she was recovered. The technician said her body was still warm when they found it. He played a hunch, pulled sterile water on a swab, and went over the woman's breast. He got DNA evidence that links the murder directly to Jack Clark. And that hair on the shirt the woman was wearing matched one of Clark's exactly. That evidence is all miscible in court. I didn't know you could do that, thanks, Lady Joe. We'll have to clue you in more about forensic evidence. Well, why did he kill her, do you know? Because she was the young girl who testified against him for sexual assault and battered and vanished. He spent six years in prison on her testimony. After he was released, he and John went to work for Hanley, who had the pure bed salaries pool. Hanley was her husband's best friend. Hanley fired them about the time Jack recognized the young woman decided to get even. John Clark poisoned his bulls. Jack raped and killed the woman. Good Lord, what about poor old Hobbs? She continued. When we told Jack Clark about the concrete forensic evidence against him, he gave in and confessed everything with the public defender sitting right beside him. He said his brother went to Hobbs just to threaten him, to keep him quiet. Hobbs refused to be threatened. He was going to call the police and tell them... The Clark boys cut the fence. John hit him in the throat with a fire poker. He didn't mind bulls, but he couldn't live with killing a human. He took. He told Jack he was going to rob a bank, and if he got killed, he didn't care. Poor old Hobbs, she said sadly. What a sad way to die. So Jack's going away for a long time. It's a good thing, because the behavioral psychologist who evaluated him said he might have killed again. Clark still hates me, of course, for what happened to his brother and for helping put together the evidence that's going to convict him for murder. He grinned at her like I care. She hugged him hard, secure for the first time in her marriage. And you didn't believe me about the cattle or the fence at first? He jerked. No, to my cost, I did it. I didn't. There could have been could have fatal consequences if Clark had been a little more confident. I'm sorry too. Those days are those days are over. You tell me black is white, baby, and I'll believe you now. Lifting his head, he searched her drowsy, happy eyes and smiled. Kiss me. I have to go back to work. She looped her arms around his neck and kissed him hungrily. Take me with you, she was I'd never get a thing done. He teased. He put her away reluctantly. Bucked her on his gun. I'll be home by six. She felt as if her whole life had changed in a space of hours. She can stop smiling. Okay. I'll lay out my red negligee. He chuckled delightedly. That's a date. He unlocked the door and they walked hand in hand to the front door. Looked down at her and wished that he could tell her what he knew. She was carrying his child. He never felt closer to her. He never loved her so much when he had to wait. To buy this time, she found out that he knew she might think he was staying with her for all the wrong reasons. He didn't dare let on. He kissed her goodbye and drove off, making a mental note to phone Grier, warned him again not to spill the beans. Molly didn't say a word, but she couldn't stop smiling either. The next morning, the crew was working again, but this time it was different because everyone could see that was what was happening between Judd and his young wife to be felt as if it had become open season on her. After one particular difficult scene in the barn, Gary Mays called Cut and moved into the set with his black back to the barn door, beside a very familiar arm around Tippy's shoulders, deliberately forcing her against his body. Gary had become Tippy's worst nightmare all over again. Now listen, now listen, doll. Gary goes, just do the same the way it's written. Don't try to do any real acting, got it? So all I want is for you to look pretty and swing those sexy hips for me. He smoothed his hand, his smooth. He smoothed his hand, lingering over her bottom with a little 
Lear worthy of a patrol convict. Seconds later, his hand was in midair, facing backward with a very cold-eyed cash grab on the end of it. I don't think you meant to do that, did you, Gary? <laughs> cash asked, pleasantly flicked his hand a fraction, just enough to make Gary flick. Sexual harassment is such a nasty term. Think what the press would make of it and our politically correct society. Do you see my point? He added softly. Now hold tight again. I see it perfectly. Gary gasped, running into the hole to keep from having his hand wrenched off. And even though I can't arrest you for it, since it's, where it's out of my jurisdiction, I can call one of my buddies who works for the sheriff's department, and he can arrest you, so you don't touch it like that again. Will you, Gary? Cash persisted, smiling. That smile sent cold chills down Tippy's spine. Not ever in my life, I swear, <laughs> Gary gasped. Cash let go of his hand, still smiling. I think you might like to call a ten-minute break, he added. I like a word. Wouldn't miss more. Go right ahead, he, Gary gritted. Gave Tippy a look of pure loathing. Ten minutes, everyone, <laughs> he called and then got out of Cash's vicinity as quickly as he could manage, holding his wrist in his other hand. Cash motioned to Tippy with his head. She went to him like a lamb without a single protest and said, looking up at him with white, protecting eyes. Why do you let him handle you like that? He asked quietly. She was shaking. Trapped around around herself. I'm 26 years old. She said, I have a nine-year-old brother to support. Modeling doors are already closing for me. I have to make it in form or I won't have a source of income. And you think money is worth letting that second cousin of a tarantula climb over your body like a fungus? He persisted. What did I tell you at the hospital when Chrissy was shot? About looking him in the eye and saying no. She looked up at him with pain in her eyes. That's easier to say than do. His chin lifted slowly. His black eyes were steady and narrow on her face. But you're going to try it, aren't you? She nodded because he had that sort of effect on people. You could have hurt him, she said hesitantly. His eyes penders and, and traces of his past made cold shadows in his eyes. I could have broken his hand as easily as I bruised it. A few years ago, I wouldn't even have hesitated. He was thinking. He was thinking. His mind was adding up facts and producing clues. Your sex on a half shell until a man comes within two feet of you. Then he eyes over. But under the ice, there's fear. You're afraid of him. He murmured, pointing toward the man with his chin, but not, he had his off, as afraid of him as you are of me. She swallowed. She hated being so transparent, but Gary's boldness had unnerved her. He noted her positive, her defensive stance. You weren't afraid of Judd at all, he recalled with her eyes, but he never touched you, did he? Her face gave him the answer at once. He nodded slowly. So that was it. <laughs> Her eyes lifted to his full surprise curiosity. <sighs> he moved a step closer, torn from conflicting emotions as he watched the pain crawl across her beautiful face. She looked like a startled doe, but she didn't move away. He fascinated her. She couldn't remember since childhood a man who stood up for her. As he stood up to Gary, except for Judd, policeman had been kind to her long ago. Cash was wearing a uniform. He stepped closer deliberately, towering over her. She could see the black freckles scattered over the bridge of his straight nose, the thickness of the mustache over his sensuous mouth, and the tiny triangular goatee under his lower lip. She could see the faint wave in his thick black hair where it was pulled back into a ponytail. He smiled. He smelled clean and masculine. She liked being close to him. That was a shock, and it filtered into her gaze before she knew. But being so close to him made her nervous, and she took a quick step backward.
Her behavior puzzled him. It was common gossip in the tabloids that she lived with a man for six years, motion picture star twice her age, who had an almost obscure reputation for his blatant love affairs with women. She had a reputation in the industry of being sexually aggressive, but how could she be experienced to make a habit of backing away from any man who came too close? She might have been pretending nervousness, but he could tell that she wasn't. None of this made sense to him. His dark eyes narrowed as he searched her He's not going to bother you again, because you're not going to let him. Right? She swallowed. Gary made her skin crawl, but she's never stood up to him. Usually she just made a dead set out of men, at men and made them uncomfortable, deliberately making them feel that they could never mesh up to her ideal, but Gary was a frog, and he reminded her too much of that man in her past. She couldn't use her wiles on him. She was afraid of him. Right? He prompted she nodded, as if as if, it, if a string was attached to her chin. Chippy. He repeated her name's rally. What's it a nickname for? Tristina. She said bitterly. She brushed her hair out of her eyes. It's supposed to mean sadness. My mother felt that way when she had me. Or so the story goes. She, had, she didn't like having kids, but she did love to sleep with men. The more the merrier. She, asked, she said she wasn't sure who my father was. He didn't look as if it mattered to him. He studied her quietly. He must have been a good-looking man. Was always said to him, my mother is a knockout even now. She has red hair and green eyes like me. I figure that even years of alcohol abuse hasn't fractured. She's not stupid either. I had a hard time getting Rory away from her, but money does talk. I have a soul custody now, and I'm not giving it up. Rory. My brother, he reached a big hand and moved a strand of red gold hair out of her mouth. Why do you have custody? Because her new living boyfriend hated him and beat him up bad enough to put him in the hospital. When he was four, a policeman I know called and told me. What the hell was your mother doing all that time? He exclaimed. She swallowed hard, holding him down. His sigh was audible. Looking at her, he began to get disturbing images, almost as if they were passing from her mind directly to his. His dark eyes narrowed. He had added up her defensive posture, her fear of men, and disregarded the licentious reputation of the man she lived with. The solution he got was very disturbing. She's not getting him back, she said coldly, no matter what it costs me. Including putting up with lizard lips over there, he said, jerking his head toward Gary. She looked up, surprised, and single laughter escaped her. Gary could nurse his hand all day and think of me. He said, "Well, never dark eyes. Come on." He went with her back to the set at a comfortable distance, so that he didn't make her uneasy. He even smiled at Gary. Timmy walked right up to the man, feeling an unusual company. He says that if you put your hands on me ever again. Gary, I can have you arrested and sue you for harassment. She smiled prudently. You do carry insurance, don't you, darling? Gary went pale. Glance the cash and clear his throat. All right, Papo. We've wasted enough time. Let's get back to work. Tippy gave Cash a quick glance and a shy, odd little smile before she went back to work. Judd's resolve not to let Christina Bell suspect he knew about her pregnancy lasted exactly four more days till he came home from work early, found Christina Bell in the back of a flatbed with Nick tossing Bell's hail up off to the cattle in one of the pastures. 
To say that he raised hell was an understatement. He lifted her off the truck, carried her to his SUV, put her in the seat, and drove her tight lips straight to Dr. Jebediah Coltrane's office. He went with her to the desk of the receptionist, that she had to be seen immediately. The waiting room was empty. Cooper's not here, the girl stammered, and Lewis just about to leave you. Not yet, she's not. He drew Kristen Bell with him through the door into the hallway. Lou, he called. Dr. Lou Coltrane came out first startled, then amused. When she looked at her visitor, can I help you? Lou asked Judd. His lips made him laugh. I want a pregnancy test right now. Okay, Lou replied, trying not to go. When was your last week? Period. Not, not me. Her, he ground up, glaring at her in astonishment from the She was tossing hay bales. She was tossing bales of hay off a truck. For God's sake. Lou smiled faintly. That's not wise. If you're pregnant, Chrissy. She said gently. Christina both started crying. You can't know? She cried at her husband. How did you know? I'm not blind, am I? You can't fasten your slacks and you can't eat breakfast either. He hated himself for not telling the truth. Marty told you, she accused. Marty didn't tell me anything. He defended himself. Let's take a blood sample, Chrissy. Lou said, intervening. When was your last period? She had to say it was a smug Judd listening to every word. Lou got Betty and they did the test. It was positive. Lou arranged for an appointment for Christine to be able to see an OBGYN specialist in Victoria, who also worked at Jacobsville General. Then she prescribed vitamins. No more lifting, she costed, and eat properly. Christina Bell agreed meekly. She was relieved at the way Judd was taking the news of a pitying fatherhood. He wasn't even upset. It relaxed her. Back in the SUV, he couldn't stop grinning. He reached for her hand and linked fingers with his. So much for Grier, he said smugly. She studied him intently, watching for signs of unrest. There weren't any. You aren't angry? I'm delighted. I'm also relieved, he countered. Now I can sleep nights without worrying that you'll leave me to run away with Grier. He likes babies, she restored. He can find another woman to make some of his own. This one is mine, he sighed heavily. What a Christmas present I'm going to get this year. In fact, the baby would be due just before then. She was fascinated by the play of emotions on his dark, lean face. Couldn't have pretended so much pleasure. She wondered if a woman could faint of pure happiness. She never felt so safe, so secure, so cared for in all of her life. He was fond of her, of course, and he wanted the baby. Maybe in time, he might even come to love her. She had so much to look forward to. So much. The film company said goodbye and left for the airport. Tate. Tippy made a wholesale apology to Christina Belgett about the problems she caused and said they'd both be invited to the premiere of the movie in New York when it came out in about seven months. That would be in November, and the baby would be due that month. Cash Grier went to the airport just as she finished checking in and started toward the metal detectors. Wait a minute, he said quietly, pulling her aside. In her business card was the name and phone number on it. Just in case you have any more trouble... Over your little brother, he added. There's a private number written on the back. If you ever need help, use it. She gasped. Why, why would you do that for me? She asked. You hate me? His dark eyes met her green ones evenly. Hell, I don't know. Do you have to question everything? She reached out as and touched his sleeve. Although her hand dropped almost as soon as it made contact. He's wearing his uniform. It looked very neatly. Thank you. For what you did about Gary. For what you made me do. I was afraid of losing the only job I had. She smiled around. <clears throat> I've had some problems getting work lately. But you were right. Nobody should have to take that. Just to keep working. See that you remember it. He replied coolly. 
She studied his face so far. Above hers was real interest. You can come with Judd and Christy to the premiere of the movie if you like. I'll send a ticket anyway. He cocked his in on you. I'll come. He said unexpectedly. She flushed. Her eyes brightened. She laughed inanely around her. Men were staring. Women were staring at her startling beauty. She seemed totally unaware of the attention. She had eyes only for the man in front of her. I'd like that, she said huskily. Thanks, Mr. Guy. I'm no more than twelve years your senior, he pointed out. You can call me Cass. <laughs> her smiling. What's it short for? He said. Cassius. Really? None of my mother was a fond of the classics. <laughs> her eyes went to his black hair and his neat ponytail to his mustache. And the tiny triangle of hair displayed essentially his mouth. He loved her. He nodded. Very much. She sighed in bitter memories pressed a smile from her small lips. It must be nice. She glanced through the metal detector where the crew was slowing past him. I'd better go. She put the card in the back. Thanks again. Sure. I like movie stars. He murmured literally and grinned at her. That grin hit her right in the heart. She smiled again. I like cops. Her eyes glanced off his. She turned and went quickly toward the metal detector. Just before she followed her suitcases in person to the secure area, she looked back at him. She never felt so alone in her life. He was still watching her, too. He watched until she was out of sight for reasons he couldn't begin to understand. As for Christina Bell, she discovered new things about her own husband in the months that followed. He loved to make things. He had a workshop out in the utility shed, but it had been idle for a long time. Now he brought some new equipment and lumber and started making baby furniture. But just before the baby was due, the tickets came to the New York premiere of Tippy Moore's movie. Christina Bell knew that Judd would go, and she was suddenly insecure and frightened of the future. He never made any confessional love to Christina Bell, who would sneak in suspicion that he'd known about the baby before he, she ever told him. <laughs> she, she'd what if, so what if he went to New York and discovered that he really loved Tippy after all? End of chapter 17.